welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Podcast. Today we have Marla and a bunch of guys. <laughs> we have Chris and Kerry and Craig and Ted and Daniel and Dave and Lou. Good to have everyone. 75th verse of the Tao Te Ching will be our conversation for today. A couple of announcements. Craig, we have our Facebook group. How are we doing there? I know you're keeping an eye on that for us. We appreciate it. We're doing great in that. We're... Um... We, we, we have people that know what they're talking about now. We're up to 141 members. There's been a few people joined this week, so welcome, everybody. Um, if you want to get involved in the meetings, then join the Diver Understanding Facebook page. There's a link to the meeting, which is 4 p.m. Eastern, I think it is, buddy. So 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern on a Thursday, if you can make it, join in. If not, if there's anything that you want to comment on or if you've got any, um, any other revelations that you can enlighten us with about any of the readings that we're doing then please post it into the into the group we've had some fantastic contributions this week um dealing with last week's uh, episode on benevolence so it's um it's great to see some engagement going on in the group thank you sir uh talk about our nightly 9 p.m eastern online meeting of aa that meeting's still going strong uh, it's uh, 9 p.m eastern every night Six nights a week, it's a, a open discussion. Uh, Saturday night, it's a speaker meeting. You can find information about that and a lot of other resources at buddyc.org, plus all the books that we talk about. I believe almost all of those I have on the front page there, buddyc.org, so you can easily find them. Uh, other information there. So put that to use, guys. Lots of good resources. So the 75th verse of the Tao Te Ching, Marla, you want to read for us, dear? Here we go. All right. First translation by Guy Fufeng. Why are the people starving? Because the rulers eat up the money in taxes. Therefore, the people are starving. Why are the people rebellious? Because the rulers interfere too much. Therefore, they are rebellious. Why do the people think so little of death? Because the rulers demand too much of life. Therefore, the people take death lightly. Having little to live on, one knows better than to value life too much. Stephen Mitchell's translation. When taxes are too high, people go hungry. When the government is too intrusive, people lose their spirit. Act for the people's benefit. Trust them. Leave them alone. J.H. McDonald, when people go hungry, the government's taxes are too high. When people become rebellious, the government has become too intrusive. When people begin to view death lightly, wealthy people have too much, which causes others to starve. Only those who do not, only those who do not cling to their life can save it. And final translation, Ron Hogan. People starve because the government taxes them to death. People rebel because the government tries to run their lives. 
People act like life is meaningless because the government takes everything they have. People who know how to enjoy life are wiser than people who value their lives. Thank you, Marla. Comments or other translations that anyone would like to shine some light here? My interpretation on the 75th, I entitled Stop Interfering. When we're imposed upon to give spiritually, we starve. This can be subtle, disguised in obligation and duty. First, we have to stop interfering in the lives of others. Second, we can then stop allowing others to interfere in our lives. We can then start allowing life to take its course without our control, motivated by love. We begin to live free of fear, even the fear of death. Hmm. Comments? These translations sure have a different uh, idea on that last verse, that's for sure. Well, it seems yeah. to me. Yeah, Chris, you're exactly right. Um, the, uh, I was thinking, do what? Go ahead. Well, the discussion I have, I thought was interesting. It's a little different yet. It says, in other words, to live life properly, we can't be obsessed by the fear of death. Um, that's more or less, I guess, like the McDonald translation, but uh, it's really interesting, the difference in the translations. Only those who do not cling to their life can save it. Right. Hold on a second. How about this? Whoever wills to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for me will find it. If you, hold on a second. It's sort of the fear thing, right? Yeah. If you're if you're in fear, you can't really really live properly. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's uh, that's Matthew sixteen twenty five. It's saying the same thing that that uh, last uh, phrase is saying in in McDonald. And I had a few notes on this. Was the idea that when we're empty and overtaxed spiritually we starve i flip this to be thinking about uh this as us personally as a person when we're taxed uh, rather than a government in its taxation um that when i'm empty and overtaxed spiritually i starve and that this is telling me that i can't interfere not only in my life but in the lives of others and I was thinking about how I may overtax other people in my life too, how I how I draw off of them in ways that make make demands that aren't healthy in other people's life. Lou, you guys talk about that a lot in uh in Al Anon. Yeah, that's right. And it's um I think it ties into this too. You know, when, when uh, we try to do too, we try to do too much, we try to do, we're like the, um, you know, we, we get taxed by others and take it personally and resent it. And then we have our own expectations of them and it's a spiritual swamp. Yeah. Or too intrusive people lose their spirit is the way uh, Mitchell said it. We demand so much in a situation that we starve out the light. 
Yeah, and there's lots of demands. Um, in Al-Anon, we have a tendency to make a lot of demands of people, um, of our of our alcoholics in our in our lives, and you know we demand they stop, we demand they slow down, we demand they go to meetings, we demand, we demand, we demand, um, and um, it puts the focus on them rather than on ourselves, and um, we we have a phrase. Um, the dignity of their own desperation. We rob them of the dignity of their own desperation. That's good. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, when you impose an opinion on somebody, you're robbing them of, of their dignity to feel a, feel their own feeling. You know, there are people in addiction already want to stop, right? A lot of them. You don't need to tell them it's bad for them. I understand that. I think the the good thing that I found in recovery was recovery never, when I came in, no one ever told me, okay, this is what you do. You do this and you do this and you do this. What they did was they said, this is how I did it. I was never given instruction. I was told what they told me was that I had two ears and a mouth for and one mouth for a reason that I needed to listen instead of talk. And actually my sponsor told me he would tell me when I could talk, which was, I was a successful business guy. Nobody told me stuff like that. Go fuck yourself. You know, that kind of thing, you know, but I didn't cause I was hurting and I was suffering and I, and I could not stop. So I would listen to anything at that point. So. So I started listening instead of telling you how to do it. I mean, when I came in, I already knew how to do everything. So I read the steps. So of course, I knew how to do that. You know, it's easy. It's simple. You know, so I had they gave me freedom to find that way. Mm-hmm. Same thing I tried to do in my kids lives as they were growing up. Give them freedom. Give them some direction, but give them freedom to. To find a way for themselves. One of the most helpful things I got early on was somebody said to me, you don't have to drink. Uh, that was a, you know, it wasn't a shaking their finger at me or anything like that. It was allowing me to realize that maybe I don't have to. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. This one is difficult. I'd like to talk about that last phrase of Mitchell's act for the people's benefit, trust them, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the opposite of what I see the rest of this talking about the overtaxation. Craig. Um, So that reminds me of the way that we want to be as kind of like an, an autonomous society. We want to be free to be able to do what we want to do. Um, I think the opposite of autonomous is control, which I think at the moment there is a lot of going on in the world. Um, If people live in a society of being under control, there are two things they can do. They can either comply or they can defy. And if they're going to comply, then I think they're only going to do it for so long before they realise that, you know, things aren't going maybe the way that they should be going under, under these leaderships. So things have to change, and then they start to defy. Um, 
we're seeing quite a lot of that going on over here at the moment. Um, high rises in taxes, high rises in fuel, high rises in um, energy costs, and it's getting to the stage where it is crippling. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of families being thrown into um, what they're calling fuel poverty. The average um, disposable income is coming down drastically now because of the price hikes. And I think it's just getting to the stage where things have to change. Um, you're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of wealthy people getting wealthier, and we're seeing a lot of poorer people getting poorer. And I know this happens in all societies, but it just gets to the stage where I think things are going to have to change. So how much longer will the people put up with it? And in and in all reality, what can what can we really do about it? Anyone else? I want to read these comments from Byron Katie on act for the people's benefit. Trust them, leave them alone. This is a little lengthy. Uh, she says, I trust everyone. I trust them to do what they do. I am never disappointed. And since I trust people, I know to let them find their own way. The wonderful thing about inquiry is that there's no one to guide you but you talking about part of her process in the work. There's no guru, no teacher who, in her great wisdom, shows you the answers. Only your own answers can help you. You yourself are the way and the truth and the light. And when you realize this, the world becomes very kind. When my daughter, Roxanne, attended her first workshop with me, it was in 1993, with a large group of therapists present. She was working on the mother from hell, which was how she had experienced me sometimes as she was growing up. She couldn't bear to look at me as she was doing her work. It was hard for her even to hear the sound of my voice. I was the root of her problem, she thought, and I was also her salvation. She had to ask the monster for help, which made her furious. At a certain moment, she became very passionate and got right in my face and said I should have mothered her differently. I said, that's not my job. Mother yourself, honey. You be the mother you always wanted. Later, she told me that that was the greatest gift I ever gave her. It turned out to be her freedom. I know the privilege of mothering myself. It's hopeless to see it as anyone else's job. Here's what I've told all my children. You have the perfect mother. I'm responsible for all your problems and you're responsible for the solutions. Ultimately, there's only you. You are your own suffering. You are your own happiness. What you give is what you receive. And I love that. I am always receiving for myself what I give to others. Sacrifice is not a word that holds any meaning for me, since in my experience, giving something away doesn't, can't mean giving it up. When I give it to you, it's me I'm giving it to. There's no separation. Yesterday, a young woman spent five minutes telling me how beautiful and kind and wise I am. Her face was flushed with the joy of telling me she was in love with her story of Byron Katie. As I listened, looking into her eyes, I didn't need to say turn it around because that was automatically happening in me. Everything she said about me, I was seeing in her since I can only be her reflected image. Through her thoughts, I was seeing who she was. 
it was her own nature she was describing. If she had told me the sad story that I've heard from others so many times, I'm lost, I'm miserable, nothing makes sense, I'm not good enough, life is unfair, how could he do that to me? I would have sat without any sadness or concern since I know that on the deepest level, everyone realizes that it's all untrue. When someone tells a sad story, I hear a mind that believes that it believes what is not. And I am touched by the impossible attempt to make the unreal real. In this, I experience my own mind again, and I feel just as joyful as when I sit with a happy, adoring, adorable young woman of yesterday. Expectation and no expectation are the same. I expect any I expect anything to happen and it does. I expect nothing to happen. And ultimately, I'm always right. Nothing has ever happened by but a thought. I expect you to love me. And however you act toward me, however you feel, the fact is that you always love me. You may think that you don't, but you can't not love me. Thoughts seem to block this awareness. And if they're stressful, I invite you to question them and set yourself free. The awakened mind is its own universe. There's nothing outside it. Delight, delightedly, there's nothing inside it either. When mind projects as another, it only meets itself again. There can never be two. Someone said, hello, Katie, it's a wonderful day. How benevolent the way of it, that it would greet itself like this out of nowhere. Someone else says, it's a terrible day. And the mind leaps with joy in the pure experience of itself. The I know mind, the mind that seems to suffer, the awesome, dear, humorous trickster will challenge the wisdom and sanity of its balanced self, and it continues to wake up. But ultimately, there's no separation. Every thought makes up the world of what it names joy, lightheartedness, inclusion, goodness, generosity, rapture, and my favorite term, friendship. Ultimately, Mind becomes its own friend. Hmm. Act for the people's benefit. Trust them. You know, that, that's the absolute opposite of what was being done at the first. The demanding, the people taking death lightly because, you know, they were seeing themselves as not worthy of life. She's saying we're a mirror, right? That we're getting... What we're giving, she said that it wasn't impossible. It was impossible for someone not to love her because she sees herself as love. <laughs> That's good. You guys are quiet today. Any comments? I was just thinking, buddy, um, about the J.M. McDonald translation, and I was kind of um, rewriting it in my head. So it was something like, when society demands too much of people. They become spiritually hungry when when other things in life take away spirit. Then um, people long for their serenity. They, when they lose their serenity, they become rebellious. They don't want to don't want the world as it is anymore. They don't want the complexities and the and the twenty four seven noise in the background. And I was thinking about it in terms of a couple of weeks ago when we talked about people uh, how. COVID was a wake-up call, and a lot of people stepped away from their hectic and busy lives and, and, and got a quieter life and gave up some jobs and those kinds of things. And um, it, it seems like 
there's some connection here to that too. Maybe it's just my frame of reference, but it seems, I know for me, um, once I had some serenity in my life and I wasn't trying to run everybody else's life and try and be control of the son's drinking and all that kind of stuff. And I could just concentrate on my own life. And I got some serenity. I became very jealous of it. <laughs> and anytime I, I saw myself slipping, I crawled right back um, to that serenity. And so this kind of um, translates to me in that sense, whether it's the government, whether it's the demands of the job, demands of the 21st century, uh, whatever those external demands are, um, getting caught up in them um, gets us caught up in those. We're in the web. We're, in the, we're caught in that sticky web. And uh, the way to disengage from that is to um, go inside and not have the expectations of others, but to um, go in into that that serene place, that place of balance. And uh, so that's what I was thinking about reading the J.M. McDonald one. No, it's interesting how on a, thank you, Lou. It's interesting how on a personal level that works, too. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, overtaxing those around me. And then allowing myself to be overtaxed, allowing people to demand from me what uh, what I don't have or what I really shouldn't be giving. And, and knowing when, you know, a lot of that is knowing when to say no, too, and knowing what uh, our part is in other people's lives. I have that come up at times. Uh, well, Craig and I had the conversation the other day about sponsees. Um, I don't know. Craig must not be doing a good job. He's got sponsees that are going out drinking. What is that, Craig? Uh, we were talking about that. And I told Craig, I said, well, it's, if they want to go drink, Craig, you can't stop them. You can't take the responsibility for their sobriety. That's not your job. You just share with them how you did it. And we have to have those um, um, boundaries there in our life with, with those we work with, uh, there's a time to say no at times, you know? I mean, I'll see guys come into the 9 p.m. meeting and some I see putting their number in the chat the whole time and have their number on a list and that we put out and all, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. My number's not on the list because I do give my number when I see people that I feel like I'm, you know, that I resonate with, but I, I don't just give my number out to anybody. It's funny that we had that conversation because I then went on to have the exact same conversation with somebody else that's having the exact same issue that I was having. And it is the fact that they feel responsible for people going out and relapsing or thinking, like, I'm fine, I'm fixed. I no longer have a problem. You know, if that's the case, then carry on. You know, on you go. But, you know, I'm... It's not that I feel responsible for them. I I feel responsible for them. <laughs> I worry about them. I, I, I genuinely worry about them because I just know I have a feeling of where it's going to end. Um, but the only thing I can do is the, the, the conclusion of the, the discussion was I can only be here for people, but we need to put the boundaries in place. When they come back, it's a case of, right, so what did you learn from that? What was it? What more did you find out about yourself? Did you, did you find that you could you could moderate anymore, or are you now serious about doing what's involved in what we do? Um, if you're not serious in 
getting involved in what we do, then you know I'm happy to be I'm happy to be an acquaintance, but you know I'm not I'm not spending my time sponsoring somebody that's not prepared to do the work. And that's just unfortunately the way it, the way it goes. There are other and body will say it as well. Look, there are other people there that could be I could be using my time helping. Um it just is what it is. It's just one of those things that I cannot control what goes on in other people's lives. And I think this is what this verse is related to as well. The more I try to control people, the more I'm going to be pushing them away. I have to be open and receptive just to let them do what they want to do. The exact same way that I would expect people. One of my biggest issues was when people were telling me I was drinking too much. I was like, really? What's this? So I would then go off and do the absolute opposite of what people were trying to tell me for my own benefit. And I think that's how I have to handle sponsees going forward and say, like, you know, what do you want to do? Because it's up to you. You can either do the work and I'm here for you, or you can go and do your own wee thing. You know, that's that gift of independence that we can give, Craig. Mm-hmm. Where I, I, give it, I, I give it with love. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's no spite, there's no malice, there's no fuck you at the end of it. You know, it's always a case of look. You know, if that's what if that's what you feel that you need to do, then carry on. There's there's twenty dollars. Just you go and <laughs> you go and fill your books. But but the the thing is this though, uh, we we can share with them and then give them the freedom to make choices for themselves. We and I do the same thing when I'm sponsoring. I don't know how many times I've and I'm thinking of one thing in particular. I had a sponsee that was having a really difficult time with uh, uh, the mask mandate when that was going on. I don't want to wear a mask. I said, well, don't wear one. I said, just get your $1,000 ready. And when you get fined, he was in a place where he would get fined if he was out, out without a mask. I said, pay your money and smile while you do it. He said, well, I can't do that. I said, well, then move. I said, that's pretty much your choice. I said, but you don't have to be angry about it, you know. Uh, you can take care of that type of thing without anger. I said, you can also go and protest something without the anger. You know, you don't have to be angry to protest something. Just go protest if you want to. I said, but you don't have to. You don't have to be angry to do that. And he uh, uh, he just couldn't get it. He kept on and on. This went on for months. Hey, buddy. And- I- I, I, if you don't mind, I wanted to add real quick. You no. said something to me earlier today that um, resonated with me when, when you said that things didn't happen by accident. And it was just this morning I found my copy of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance that I started trying to read when I was a teenager. And now I'm 53 and I still haven't read it. But I was the gist of, of that book is about classical thinking versus romantical thinking and classical thinking being just complete logic. It is what it is. Go, go ahead and have fun. Go to the bar and drink and then come talk to me afterwards. Um, we, we know the results. You may need to do a little bit of experimentation, but we know the logic behind that first drink. I had to learn that logic. It's going to end in disaster for me every single time. And that I think several people have mentioned it. Uh, this verse talks about the consequences of you, if you ta- if you overtax people, they're going to starve. You know, it's all cause and effect stuff. And the secret to it is moving beyond that and incorporating the emotional or the romantical is that they're talking about and 
in Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and finding that balance. It's all about balance. And uh, I hope that made some kind of sense. It's taking the next writing action, right? The next reaction that writes the ship, not the next correct action. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. That's good. You know, no one can solve our problems for us. Hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. Don't tell me I have to take responsibility for myself now. (laughs) (laughs) This is taking it too far. I, you know, Craig, I, I have to agree with what you say. Um, I once had a, a sponsor who told me that uh, before I should drink, before I wanted to drink, I should give him a call. And I never could understand that. I mean, why, why would I call my sponsor when I feel like drinking? He's only going to talk me out of it. You know, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, <laughs> I, I have um, expectations for myself. And those expectations are really hard to live up to. I don't believe half of the things that I tell myself. You know, I mean, as far as giving people advice, I don't think you can give people advice. I don't think so, because I don't listen to my own advice. I was just flicking through Pinterest, and I was, I was in a quote. Hey, you're in the middle of the Dow podcast, and you're flicking through Pinterest? Are you that bored? No, you get <laughs> you get quite a lot of 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 stuff on Pinterest. It's not. Oh, just you got something to share with us? Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm I'm looking for it again. It's lost it. One one quote that came, one quote that sprang up mind was "Do or do not, there is no try." Yoda, right? Say that again. <laughs> Isn't that Yoda from Star Wars? Yoda. Um, and Plato, Plato came up and Socrates, they came up with a couple of good things as well. But one was about expectations. I'm trying to find that again, but it's, it's this big rabbit hole that you go down. You know, if we're expecting others to solve our problems for us, uh, number one, uh, when people impose on us to try to change us, it doesn't work. Two, when pe- people are too intrusive in our lives, we lose our will to act for ourselves. We're either fighting against that or we're letting them do too much. Um, and the way that I really do help is by just showing them how I'm walking the path, you know, how I'm doing this thing. Well, I was, uh, oh, back to my sponsee. He, uh, it, was, it was like a year later. He said, you know, he says, I, I finally figured out that I don't need to be angry about these masks. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I, you know, I, I just need to let them do their thing. And if I don't like it, I just need to move. I said, it's about time you figured that out. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing it, you know, but uh, I had to give him room to find that. I couldn't keep beating him over the head about it. Right. I did, you know, lose my temper with him a little bit and had to, I had to apologize once with him. He's, it's the only time I ever hung up on a sponsee. I lost my temper with him and I had to, I had to make an amend, but uh, I have to, you have to give people room to find these things for themselves every time. Uh, that's the real gift is when we're able to do that. When we're free enough in ourselves that we allow others to be free enough to find 
things for themselves. We don't know what folks need. Only they know. You know, we, we have to give them room to find that. Yeah, expectations are premeditated resentment, setting ourselves up for disappointment if we expect others to change, right, Lou? Right? See, I think that's where this verse arrives at. Uh, only those who do not cling to their life can save it. You know, trust them, leave them alone. Let them find their own way. Yeah, my sponsor never tells me what to do. He tells me how he did it and then lets me go from there. Carrie? I was going to say, I, when I had, with my kids, I read one parenting book. And I can remember the crux of it was there are two consequences, natural and logical. And if you can let your kids experience natural consequences, that's always the best. Like if they don't want to eat their food, say, fine, don't eat your food. Um, and then when they come to you later and they're hungry and they want to eat, say, no, sorry, dinner's over. You know, it's a natural consequence. You're going to be hungry. But then there's sometimes there's logical consequences where, like, you can't let them run into the street because they'll get hit by a car. You know, that's not good. Uh, so in that case, you have to think of a logical consequence that would best meet that. I'm just trying to figure out, I get the natural consequences part and how that fits into this. It's the logical consequences part where it's like you're, you need to prevent them from hurting themselves, where it kind of just doesn't add up for me. Thank you, Gary. Any other comments, guys? Yes, Chris. My sponsor and I were talking about um, oh something yesterday, and she met, mentioned the, the idea that um, uh, like alcoholism was a failed solution to a problem, control is also a failed solution. You know, acting, tr trying to control people is a failed solution as well. So it fits into the same um, motive, I guess, as alcohol. And, uh, you, you get sort of uh, um, addicted to the idea of control. You know, we do the same with our life, don't we? Mm -hmm. We can break that down to a personal level. Yeah. But it really is the control that, uh, that's the way I tried to quit drinking to begin with was control. Just attacked alcohol the way I attacked everything else. Okay, what do I need to do? And I started reading and looking at how to do this up in my head, you know, how to, how to exert my self-will to stop. And it didn't work. I had to have that freedom that surrender brings that I did not have. Yeah, as much as I would like to help people, I can't help them within my own power. It's impossible. When you see somebody coming in the room, you know, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking sometimes. You see guys, especially, you know, pre-COVID when they were, now we're getting, having to have face, we're getting to have face-to-face -face meetings again, and it's really nice. But see that person come in that's just miserable, just suffering. You would love just to, you know, help them with their suffering, right? Take that away. I know from experience, I have to give them room to, to find their path through that. You know, I can't fix them. I couldn't fix my kids either. You know, one was an addict and one not, and I, I couldn't fix the addict. I couldn't. I tried. And I realized I couldn't do that. It's tough with people you love, you know, it's tough with anyone you see. This makes me grateful. I flip that to gratitude and I make myself available, but that's all I can do. 
that's all I can do. I don't have the ability to fix any of them. You know, I can't even fix myself. How can I fix them? Like Ted said, right? Yeah. Hmm. Buddy, if um, I, I don't go to church too often, but isn't that what uh, God gives us? Free will? I mean, in kind of the same way, he cares, he loves us, but I was here, but, but he lets us make our own mistakes and our own choices. It kind of feels like that. I've heard it put as the gift of desperation. They were given the gift of desperation. That's an yeah. interesting thing to say, buddy, because um, I've fallen down the stairs a couple of times. I've smashed up my car and, uh, into a utility pole. didn't make any difference. I thought those were my bottoms. They weren't. My bottom was I didn't want to die, period. Yeah. Yeah. We all have to find that place, right, Ted? We all have to find that. But what is our gift of desperation? You know, people tried to help me. People tried to do everything. My, you know, like in the big book, it talks about number one became my first wife became more like my mother, really just taking care of me, cleaning up my messes, you know, trying to hold the family together, not knowing what to do. And uh, none of that helped as much as she wanted it to help. I had to get to that point of desperation. Yeah. You know, buddy, I love the heck out of my daughter. And I, I've told the story before. I used to keep my drinks in the garage in a paper bag. One day I went out there and my daughter had written something on one of my paper bags. I said, Dad, please stop. Please stop. It's starting to affect me. Please do something about this. So took the bottle out of the bag, crumpled up the bag, and threw it away. You know, sometimes enough just ain't enough. You know, people say enough is enough already, Ted. No, it's not. You, you have to find it for yourself, that's for sure. I mean, you can't give advice to anybody. Like I said, you know, I don't even listen to my own advice sometimes. So I think that this time around, I just didn't want to die, period. Very selfish. Well, we have to realize too, Ted, that we have to do the same for others. And then after we're past the alcohol, then we've got the rest of our life that if we'd like the same relief in the rest of our life, like we got with alcohol, how do we do this? Well, uh, we have to surrender in those other ways that we're are acting emotionally drunk, you know, <laughs> you know, we have to do the same thing in other areas of our life. We have to surrender those. We have to come to a bottom in those to where we uh, quit meddling in others' lives. We don't allow them to meddle in ours. We take responsibility and we find freedom. The way I find freedom and take responsibility normally means that I turn my life around and give others what I want from them. You know, like Byron Katie was talking about. She gives love, so all she gets back is love. It doesn't matter how they behave toward her. She said they can't help it but show her love because that's all she that's all she expects back because that's all she's giving. I think that's the whole point of acting for the people's. How do you act for the people's benefit? You trust them and leave them alone. That's a way of love when you give people that kind of freedom. We're definitely a mirror. We get back what we give. If I can uh, 
if I want to influence others, the best thing I can do, trust them and show them what I want, which is I want love back. So I need to be loving them. I want everyone to be kind to me. So what does that mean? My behavior has got to be. <laughs> I got to give kindness, right? If I want kindness back. I save my life by giving my life away. That's just how it works. We learn that in recovery. You know, if we want to, if we're, nothing works like intensive work with another alcoholic when we want to drink, right? We're giving away what we want. We don't impose on others for anything. We don't expect them to meet our needs. We give them what we want back. Starts with our actions. Well, we'll close there. You guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. We'll have Sensei next week. We'll see you then. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.